Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. scientifically proven that your heart rate slows down the seventh day that's why you need a Sunday afternoon nap also probably because you stay up till midnight watching Netflix or something too but but yeah you scientifically your heart rate slows on the seventh day and so uh, if you ever wanted proof of the Sabbath there it is and uh, this morning I was walking up the steps I had no clue what time no we're good we're good we got plenty of time um I was walking up the steps and like Sundays, I'm just all, I'm, I'm either in two modes. I'm either like booking it to get somewhere or whatever. And so I had been to a couple different places that I needed to go and tell somebody something that was like 9.57. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take my time walking up the stairs this morning. I'm not going to be in a rush to get up to Cross Point. Like they're adults. Like at least I don't have to be in here to supervise you and make sure you don't like spit spit walks at each other or something like if you do that though it's fine because you're an adult so um but uh on my way up here jay olson and pearson or not jay olson goodness gracious jay pearson and pearson fisher they shouldn't be allowed to be friends um because of their names but jay olson and pearson fisher were coming down the steps as i turned the corner and jay was like on the fifth step up and he just jumps the handrail and like lands and i was like look because i guess he was trying to get out of my way and i was like jay that hurt me to watch you do that like i mean i don't know i was like i'm not in that big of a hurry he's like i should want to stay in your way i was like i don't think i could have done that when i was 15. like jay's just this little wiry kid like he just jumps over the handrail and pearson just looks at him like what are you doing? And so, uh, anyways, it, it was a very awkward. End, but I just, I still, I was even thinking about coming up the steps. I'm like, that like hurt my back just to watch him do that. Like, I sometimes I dread. Like our platform, we've lowered it like by a good. If you went here when we had the old pink pews, like we lowered our platform by probably two feet. 
And there's still times where we're having a meeting in the auditorium and looking at something on the stage. I look and I'm like, I do not want to jump off this. Like, I know that everybody else is like, gonna, like we're just going to hustle to the back and back to the office. And I'm like, I'm going to go use the stairs. Like, it just, I, it pains me to land on my feet and like everything just it hurts all the way up. Anyways, yeah, yeah, it is bad for the knees. Exactly, that's why I do. I'm trying to care for my knees. Uh, right. Mr. Harrison being almost like six yeah, Mr. Harrison just step down. <laughs> so Romans chapter number eight is where we are. Um, we'll have one more lesson in this passage, but um, we got through verse number seventeen. Been walking through the power of the gospel, and um, today I really want to kind of come at this from a little bit of a different angle. Last week we talked about the new relationships that are the result of the gospel, um, but today I want us to look at verses number eighteen down through verse number twenty-eight, and then. Um, and then we will uh, pull out a couple of different things that I think will be, like I said, a different angle. Let's begin reading in verse number 18. It says, for I reckon, that's a good southern word, all right, uh, probably not the way that we would use it. I reckon, okay, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I love that verse, and I love the way that Paul uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writes that verse. Um, if you understand reckon, which we probably don't because we're from the South, okay? Uh, but if you understand the word reckon, it's actually an accounting term. Basically what he's saying is, this has now made sense to me. And I love that he says that the problems that I face in this life will not compare to the glory that I will face in the next life. Let that sink in. Do you ever have like those light bulb, like aha moments? My daughter Blakely's into this thing right now. She's two years old, a little over, over two years old, but she'll be standing there and she'll go, ah, idea. And then she's like, go, and it's normally not an idea. It's just normally something that she just thought of. Ah, idea. I need happy juice is what it normally is. Okay. And so, um, but she'll say idea. But have you ever had a moment where like in your life, you're like, oh, that makes sense. And that's what Paul is saying. He goes, this is what now makes sense, that the problems of this life will not compare to the glory of the next life. If you ever wanted a verse that's going to help you through some dark days, jot that one down, because that is a wonderful promise from the Word of God. And he says this, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. But not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Very logical verse, right? You don't hope for a Christmas present after you've opened it, right? Like you open your brand new iPhone 29 here in a couple of years and, and you think, oh, I hope I get an iPhone. That wouldn't make sense because you've already, you already have it in your possession. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Verse number 26. 
If you have a habit of marking in your Bibles, can I just encourage you to highlight, circle, underline, whatever you do, verse number 26, because to me it's one of the greatest prayer verses you will find. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called, all are the called according to his purpose. I want you to look at verse number 26 and read it out loud with me. Uh, ready, begin. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We're going to pray, and I want us to dive into this passage. And here's what I want to spend a couple minutes speaking to you on, is what the world is looking for. What the world is looking for. You may not understand this, but what the world is seeking, you already have. What the world is seeking, you already have. And I want to pull a couple of thoughts out of this passage to prove to you that what this world longs for, you already have access to. And the question for that thought that you can ponder today is have you taken full advantage of what you have access to through the gospel of Jesus Christ? So let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we're so thankful that you have given us all that we could ever need. And so God, I ask that you would help us today that when the trials of this life come, may we go and run to what we have in you. God, I ask you to give me the words to say today. Lord, you know that I'm weak, I'm tired, and I need your strength and I need your help. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever stepped back and looked into the life of someone and you've almost made a little bit of a diagnosis about their life. Like you ever maybe said something, I'm a pretty, I, I tend to probably be an overthinker or a deep thinker or something along those lines. And so there are times where I'll look at something and I'll look at maybe a problem that someone has in their life and I'll just think, man, they are, they are seeking joy so much or, or they're trying to live up to maybe something in, in their life, in their past. And so they're trying to prove someone wrong or, or they're trying to prove someone right. Or, or they're trying to heal from pain and I even have a tendency to do that in my own life and I try to try to take evaluation like okay what is the why behind what I'm doing if it's not of God then it's something that I need to strongly evaluate and when you look at the world and you kind of step back and you maybe put on your spiritual lenses for just a second and you look at everything that the world is talking about and, and saying and, and what they're really dreaming up and conjuring up you have to step back and you have to say they are seeking something, okay? They are looking for something. Many people will turn to, to drugs to try to silence maybe a voice in their life. They'll turn to alcohol to maybe help them get through depression. They'll, they'll turn to maybe fame and fortune to help prove to the rest of the world that they're capable. And, and they'll drive themselves into this deep, dark hole. They'll, they'll become workaholics. There's a thousand different ways that it can manifest itself. But when you step back and you look at it, 
what you have to understand is that they are seeking something. And what I want to show you today from this passage, I really want it to have two different really goals with it. First of all, I want you to see that what the world seeks is found in the gospel, which means this. The co-workers that you go to work with or the classmates that you sit alongside of in your class or, or whatever it may be, however you meet someone in this walk of life, that you have the answer to what they are seeking. But the second goal that I want you to see is that you have access to what you need in this life so that you don't have to turn to the world. You can have hope in the midst of a hopeless world because you have Jesus. You can have faith. You, you can have joy. You can have all of the things that the world is seeking and you already have. The question is, have you turned away from it? Because one of the things that I believe is one of the, the greatest destroyers of a testimony of a child of God is when we try to find the same things that the world wants in the same ways that the world wants to get them. And so what I want to walk you through is quickly four thoughts or, or four principles that the world wants that you already have access to straight out of this passage. The first one is this. The gospel gives you life after this life. The gospel gives you life after this life. I don't know why, but it seems like that within the last probably month or two, I've had conversations with someone and sometimes even people who claim to be Christians or, or I've heard interviews or something along the lines of people talking about the next life. And what they've made statements about is, you know, I don't really know what to expect after this life, but I can tell you this, I am going to live this life down here for all it's worth. And that's not a terrible way to live. I, I think that God is pleased when we enjoy the life and the blessings that he's given us down here. But as Matthew 6 teaches us that we have not been given an opportunity to lay up treasures down here where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But we should be laying up treasures where? In eternity. And sometimes when you look at this world and you think, man, they're just trying to grab all that this life has to offer. You as a child of God should be trying to grab all that this, all that the next life has to offer. You should not be storing things up down here to, to find happiness and to find joy and to find pleasure. You should be storing up things in eternity. One of the things that our family has always enjoyed since Braxton was a, was a, a really a little kid and a, is dude perfect. Um, they, they, uh, they're obviously not like exactly like us. I believe they're Christians. Brax and I have gotten a chance to meet him at like a backstage thing. And, and uh, I told him I was an assistant pa college pastor, assistant pastor. And I'm like, oh man, like we were all involved in college ministry when we were uh, in college. And so it, it, I believe that they are Christians. And one of the things that um, we do almost every night before we go to bed is that, not every night, but if they come out with a new video, we'll watch it on like a Saturday night. And last, yesterday, I don't know how many of you keep up with this, probably not, because you're not 12, okay? But, uh, but they came out with a new video where they just set a record for the world's uh, highest trick shot, like 856 feet or something. Well, we turned it on last night. It's like a 17-minute long video, and it was already like 9.15. And so Lauren and I were like, oh, man, this is a really long one. It's going to make us put our kids to bed. Well, then Lauren and I kind of got like emotionally invested, and we're like sitting there watching it. And they get to the, it's like a 17-minute long video of them making one trick shot. Okay, 
and they're telling the background of it and they end up making it off of the stratosphere in las vegas so it's like he's out on a tower and he's throwing basketballs at this basketball goal and they've had i think three people testify on that video of you know we had not seen anything go our way all these problems whatever and we believe that God did something. And even though the God doesn't play sports, he doesn't do any of that stuff, we believe that God let us accomplish this because he's allowing us to have a platform to point people back to him. And you think about how, some of you, I know, I know how I think, like my first reaction when I heard that was, I'm like, God doesn't care about basketball, but here's what I do believe. That video was viewed by millions of people and will continue to be viewed by millions of people. And they could have said, well, it was our talent. It was our skill. It was our work ethic. It was our planning. It was all of this stuff. And yet they use it as an opportunity to point people back to God. So here's the question. You obviously, unless I'm missing your YouTube channel or your social media following, probably do not have that type of platform. Okay? If you do, congratulations and welcome to Crosspoint. Okay? <laughs> you probably do not and will not ever have that type of platform. But when the world looks at you or when your coworkers look at you and they say, why do you work like that? Why do you act like that? Do you use it as a platform to promote yourself or to point others back to God? Because truthfully, if we live this life only to point people to ourselves, not only have we failed them, but we've also failed God. And so the gospel gives you life after this life. But then secondly, the gospel gives you hope in this world. I love verse number 24. He says, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. Very reasonable, very easy way to say that, right? There are a lot of people in this world who are simply seeking for something to hope in. Their hope is in a paycheck. Their hope is in a relationship. Their hope is in their education. Their hope is in a, a million different ways. Their hope is in their finances. Their hope is in how good they are at crypto. Their hope is in their social media following. Their hope is in how many rounds of ammunition they have stored up. Their hope is in all of these different things. And you and I, as children of God, if you're here and you've, been, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, we have a hope that we are still looking forward to. And sometimes what we, and I want you to, please listen to this, okay? When you are at your most hopeless, okay? That's probably not the way that that needed to be worded, okay? When you are hopeless, we'll just say it like that. When you're at your worst, okay? I want you to think about where your attention and your focus has been. I would dare say that I can look at my life and when I am at my lowest in my hope, it is normally because I have given my attention to everything except God. A hundred percent of the time. When I'm hopeless, it's because I, I've gotten a bank account text and I'm like, well, that's not very good, okay? We weren't prepared for this health issue. Something changes in my schedule and I just think, there's no way. Something changes in maybe my health or a relationship or, or something didn't happen the way that I thought it would. 100% of the time, I can promise you that when I have been hopeless, it is because I have misplaced my hope in something other than God. And I want you to think for just a second 
about the fact that there are some people in this world and there are some Christians even who they live 365 days of their year without a hope in God. So the natural reaction is, well, I need to get finances, I need to get relationships, I need to get friendships, I need to get education, I need, to, I need, I need, I need, I need. And so they spend their whole life trying to gather all of these things so that they can have hope. And if you're not careful what you can do as a child of God, as a blood-bought believer, is that you can mimic the way that the world hopes. You can say, well, yes, I know that my eternity is settled, but I'm going to hope in this. I'm going to hope in my friendships. I'm going to hope in my relationships. I'm going to hope in my finances. I'm going to build this little bubble so that I can still have hope. When Jesus says that he is our hope, that we are saved by hope. And then thirdly is this. The gospel gives you someone to talk to. I told you that verse number 26 is probably one of my favorite prayer verses, and here's why. You read verses like pray without ceasing, and it kind of sounds overwhelming, doesn't it? I think the older I get, the more I comprehend that verse, but there's still times where you think, man, pray without ceasing, like that's just, that's a big one. You go and you read the Lord's Prayer, and you think, oh man, I'm never going to be that eloquent. You can read different prayer verses, and you can just think, not there yet, not there yet. Do you know what verse number 26 says? Verse number 26 in Joel Norris terms says it's okay to stink at prayer. And here's why. Because the Holy Spirit understands our groanings. Understands what we are feeling. Have you ever said a prayer like this, Lord? I'm not even sure what to pray for. But this is what's going on. I want you to see this because I, I think sometimes I don't think we believe it. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, okay? Sometimes my kids do not know what they should say as they ought, all right? Sometimes the kids in your kids' class don't know how to ask things as they ought, all right? And sometimes as children of God, we don't know how to pray for things as we ought. And so here's the solution. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I want to take the time, and I know we're cutting close on time, but I want to take the time to show you this. If this podium represents the Holy Spirit and this side of the podium represents our Heavenly Father in the throne room of God, there is a separation in our lives from that. The Jesus Christ's blood allows us to enter into that throne room, but sometimes, just like you would if you entered into a king's throne room, you wouldn't know what to say. And it's almost like when we bow our heads to pray and we don't know how, what to say as we ought, as this passage says, or as this verse says, we walk into the throne room and we're just like, oh, God, I got something that's going on with this, and like, how many remember if you went to school where they prayed and there was always the kid who they would say, Lord, we please pray for so-and-so's grandma. Lord, please pray for so-and-so's grandpa. Lord, please pray for so-and-so. And they were saying, Lord, please pray for. 
And in my, when I was in elementary, I remember I always made fun of that. Like, God's not praying. We're praying. We're praying to God, right? But here's what's happened. When we don't know what to say, the Spirit is standing there almost beside our Heavenly Father, and He's saying, Joel's trying to tell you that he needs help with this. That church family is trying to tell you that they need help with this. That young adult, that college student is trying to tell you that they have a math exam. That person is telling you this. That person is telling you that. That's what we have because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And right now the world spends their wheels and their time and their money and their whatever. Um, everything to have someone to talk to, to go to therapy, to go to counseling, to go to all of this stuff. And you and I have someone who's taking the things that we don't even know how to say. We don't have to sit on some squirrely little couch with our feet propped up and sit there and talk to some person so that they can understand what we need in our life. Our Heavenly Father has someone who's doing that. And the last thing is this. The gospel gives you someone that is always working for good. I want to read this quote that was actually from a tweet from a, a pastor, and I saw it last night, and I wanted to read it because it, it applies exactly to this verse. He says, there are 25 words in Romans 8.28, and only three of them are more than one syllable. Romans 8.28 is so simple, yet so many misuse and misunderstand. All things aren't working themselves. God is working all things. All things aren't good, but God is working all things out together for good. God doesn't work all things for all people for good, but only for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. We don't define good. God defines what is good because God alone is good. That is an incredible breakdown of a verse that so many times we're like, well, God's working all things out together for good. And it's like, well, you have negative $7.53 in your bank account, so is that good? Okay? You have trials in your life, so is that good? There's surgery, so is that good? That's not what the verse says. It says that God is always working them for good reason why he's doing that, as we'll talk about next week, is to make you more like his son. So here's what I want to close with. This week, when you go to work, there will be people who are seeking for things that you already have. Will they see it in your life? There will be people who are seeking hope that you have. Will they see it? There will be people who are seeking for someone to talk to. And you have access to the greatest helper that this world could ever offer. Do they see that? There will be see people seeking for answers to life after this life. And you have it. Will you show them? There will be people seeking for how to get through trials and how to see the good in this life. And you have access to that. Will they see that in your life? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. 
Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.